Blog Talk Radio. Let's get lost in a better place. Pick up a bird, travel through time and space. So much to learn, so much to see. A chance to escape reality. Open your mind and your heart. For a fresh new start And Jay Nessler will bring you there So let's talk about it When life and on the air Good morning everyone, this is Fran Lewis, I'm your host This is MJ Network MJ stands for Marsha Joyce, my sister Who started me on this crusade and this go and we have the author of the question depth here and this book is really so good. It's fantastic and Danny Petri is here and she's gonna tell us more about it. So good morning and I'm so glad that you're here. This book was really interesting. It was quite different than most books that I've read recently. Oh, yeah, I'm so glad you enjoyed it and thank you so much for having me today. Um I'm really excited to spend the time with you and with your listeners. Uh, yeah, this book was interesting, and thank you for printing it out. <laughs> I mean, Absolutely. I was like, yeah, I know. I don't read digital, and I was, like, so excited that somebody sent me a book that I could actually see the font, which is great. So That's what made great. you decide of, of all – you must have had to do research to do this. So what made you decide yeah. to focus – this is on an oil rig and the death of one of the crew members. I think I've read – in the last 10 years, about 10,000 books. My husband's keeping count. Seriously, no joke. Oh, my and, goodness. Um, yeah, seriously, yeah, that's me. And um, I, it yes. says he, he says that. he keeps me out of the store shopping. Well, not in, you know, now you have Amazon <laughs> to shop, so you don't need to worry about it. Well, so why an oil rig? And how did you yeah. create the first scene? Because that had to take research, too. Yes. So I decided on the oil rig and... Um, my husband and I had watched, we had seen it before, but we watched Deepwater Horizon. Um, and I just found the, not necessarily the accident they had or, you know, the catastrophe that happened, but the way that they lived on the rig, it, to me, it was just fascinating uh, that these guys get flown out and they're out there for, you know, three weeks, a month or whatever their shift is, flown back in, a new crew comes out. And I just thought that's, that's got to be so strange living out there on an oil rig. Um, but I did not know much about it. So um, especially like you said, the opening scene where the guy dies. Um, so yeah. I was able to speak to two um, gentlemen. One, my husband uh, knew through his work. Um, and I don't remember how I got the other one. It must've been through a friend, but two guys who worked on rigs. Um, one had literally been on rigs all over the world um, doing different things, and he was super helpful. And then the other gentleman had been pretty much set, um, I think, off the Gulf of Texas, you know, the Gulf of Mexico, like mm. off the coast of Texas. And so he was talking a little bit more about life on it, you know, having been kind of a regular there. 
And then my husband um, has engineering in his background and uh, production, and so he was able to help answer some of the other questions. So it definitely was, and I read, I've got books, I went online. It was a lot to put that together um, to try to be as accurate as possible. You're very lucky because I do panel shows, and Mm -hmm. um, I've been trying to get a medical advisor to talk about the Mm -hmm. COVID virus, but I've gotten law enforcement and I've gotten journalists and stuff. We've done a whole lot, but are you lucky when you have somebody that can actually help you to write something or to write a book? Very true. Very true. To make it accurate, especially something like this. So smoking is bad enough, but on an oil rig? What are the dangers of yes. smoking on an oil rig, especially yes. this one? And this was a freak accident. This is really weird. Yes, it is. Um, so the dangers of smoking on an oil rig um, are high, obviously, because you have flammable um, mm. gas, you know, lots of things that are flammable on the rig already. Um, and you already have oxygen, and so you're basically just looking for that heat element, um, you know, adding some heat to the oxygen and the gases in the air. And the thing is, the gases you can't see, um, and when they're pure, like when they're running them through the separator on an oil rig, you know, they Mm. don't have that added smell. So, yeah, anywhere near an open flame or gas is a horrible thing to do. They do... I found out, and it was surprising to me, have smoking stations. They have areas where it's mm. safe, apparently, and there's nothing around you where you're, you know, you're allowed to smoke because, you know, I guess these guys are, you know, smokers that have been smoking for a long time, and for them to be out there mm. three weeks without smoking is too hard. But, yeah, I mean, you know, that could that could have easily, you know, spread a lot faster, and it could have really um, caused, tremendous problems and loss of life so it's it's really uh i even hesitate that they have a smoking area (laughs) to be honest but Mm -hmm. they do so tell us about reese dawson and mason rogers Mm -hmm. role and they were sent to (laughs) investigate and they didn't look too happy to see each other and we know why but it's kind of weird when you have a relationship and then it doesn't so how come you created that? That was tension at the beginning. That was really good. But oh, I like thank them, you. Yeah. So Reese Dawson and Mason Rogers um, basically had met in the past um, for a short time, for a few months, and um, were in a children's home together. Um, both have different reasons for why they were there. Um, and they had a, you know, friendship of sorts while they were there. Uh, and now he's back in her life and she's not quite sure how to handle it. Um, you know, she had cared about him, you know, throughout the years and thought about him. But there was that whole tension of, you know, I haven't seen somebody in 10 years, you know, and I know kind of how we were when you left, but, you know, how how is it going to be as an adult relationship? Um, and I think that them being sent out, the two of them alone, I think, made her very nervous. And I honestly think that their boss, Noah, um, sent them on purpose, the two of them, because, you know, he needs yeah. to know that they can work together. You know, if they're part of the team, he needs to know they can work together. 
I wasn't crazy about Noah to start with, but we grew, he grew on yeah. me eventually. She's the head of the Coast Guard Investigated Service Team. This proves people that yeah. I read the book. Seriously. <laughs> what, is, what is their jo- job? There's Reese, Mason, Emmy, Logan, and uh-oh, Caleb. Aha. Uh-huh. Yes. So Caleb yeah. comes too, and he's not thrilled about this whole thing. So what are they? What exactly are they supposed to do? They were sent to the they're members of the Dormers, and they're sent to head to investigate the death. So yes. How, so they how do they go about it? Yeah. Um, so they were sent to investigate the death. If there is a death at sea, um, the Coast Guard Investigative Service is called in. And they need to go and look at the evidence, interview everybody, um, transport the body back to the medical examiner. Um, they're kind of the chain of custody. And so between what they are able to find around the crime scene, speak with people, the interviews, uh, get an overall feel, and then transport the body back to the ME they're able to look at factors and decide if they feel foul play was at all involved. And if it is, then they have to go deeper into it. If they look at it and say, no, it's definitely an accident. The ME signs off. It was an accident. Then they wouldn't have to do anything else, but there there's indications foul play was involved. Um, and so uh, they, they are waiting to have that confirmed based on one of the experts who needs to come out and um, uh, determine that for sure based on some of the, the uh, equipment that it was uh, that failed, that it was not um, a natural fail of equipment. It was something that had been set up ahead of time. Well, they're not worried. They're not done with killing people. So you'd sabotage yeah. it. That made yeah. me really say, okay, I'm not going in a, in a helicopter ever again or a plane or anywhere else yeah. or anywhere again. I was like, I, I did have an experience like that. That's why. When when I had to go with my did mom you? to California, we we did we we hired a Learjet for twelve thousand nine hundred dollars. My brother paid for this insanity, and because um, oh they didn't goodness. want us to go because she was very sick with with um, COPD and whatnot, whatever. Yeah. So we're going to the University of California in San Diego, and we got this Learjet. I'm the one that goes there, and my mother and this strange three guys, and the plane almost crashed. Because we got <gasps> up in the air, and in Albuquerque, New Mexico, they had to force land. Then they had to force land again, oh. and there was something wrong oh with the steering. God. So I knew, as I'm sitting there saying, I felt like I was reliving this, except that being wow. the big, you know, I was. I think that was the first time in my life I actually, you know, went crazy. And there were guys yeah. coming off a different Learjet, a blue one, and I said to him, and he's in a suit, I said, who are you? I'm the president of Beechcraft Airlines. I said, and whose jet is that? He said, mine. I said, no, now it's mine. Coming back. <laughs> and I took it. I took it. Good I for took you. it. I said, for twelve thousand nine hundred dollars, I'm taking your jet. I'm taking your jet. Yeah, <laughs> we did. So hilarious. when you wrote this scene, I was going like, oh my god. So we had oh. Chase. Yeah, I mean, if anybody really wants, to, just oh my god, really seriously. So tell us about Chase and why was he so arrogant and difficult to work with, with Mason and Reese? And I do hope you're bringing them back. No, seriously. <laughs> yes. Um, so Chase is 
the type of guy who is uh, mm. kind of an expert in his field, which is um, underwater welding. Um, it's considered one of the most dangerous jobs in the world, and he excels at it. So he's very arrogant, and he is frustrated that he has to put up with people questioning him. Or I mean, he he believes, you know, I wasn't on the rig. I'm a contractor with the company. I don't actually work for the mm. company. Um, you know, you're trying to ask me questions I shouldn't have to answer. And he's just really kind of that jerky guy that, you know, knows he's good at his job, knows, you know, to a lot of women mm. he's very good looking. And he just thinks it's a waste of his time to have Reese and Mason come out. That's so rude. Now, why was you killed? Who, what happened with Max? You killed Max too. I did. I know. It's not safe. It's not safe to be in this book. Let me tell you. Yeah, I know, and I, I felt bad because I love Max, but um, I just felt there needed to be with the impact. Um, yeah. I just felt like somebody was not going to make it out of that crash. Um, I know. And, I and, felt bad. Yeah, yeah, I did too. I did too. So. Um, that was a little hard, but I I knew that that was going to, uh, fairly quickly into the, writing the draft, I knew that that was going to happen, that theme was going to happen, and I did play mm. with it a little bit about who was the one that wasn't going to make it out, and I just decided the pilot would be the one kind of, I guess, closest, um, although there was somebody else in the other front seat, but the way that the mm. windshield exploded and all that came in, it 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 basically jarred Max out of the helicopter. That must have really been painful. I know. Yeah. You don't want to know. So no. tell us about Jason and Jason and Brad, and tell us why Texture Oil seemed to be involved in rescuing these people. Notice I said seemed, yeah. people. Yes, yes. Um, so Jason and Brad are Coast Guard. They're rescue divers. Um, they came out to rescue them. Um, Texture Oil is the company that owns the oil rig that wants to get it back on production schedule. And mm-hmm. so the quicker they can get them on the rig, then the quicker things can get back to running regularly. So really Texture Oil's main concern is not about, honestly, about the people that the guys that perished or, you know, out of really kindness and compassion. It was more they want to get back to business, and the sooner they can get things going, they can get back to regular business. Everything lately is about business and money. It's really sad. Yeah. To tell you the truth. Everything. Everything. And everything has gone up. Every every service yeah. that you have, the simplest thing has gone up. Even chicken salad and tuna. Everything yeah. has gone up. <laughs> it it has. No, that's true. It's absolutely true. Like my, It's a silly story, but my husband and I um, were traveling uh, from a trip to the beach, and mm. we there wasn't a Starbucks around, and I wanted a coffee, and so we stopped at Dunkin' to get a coffee, and it had some, like, espresso shots in it, um, kind of like an Americano. And it was over mm-hmm. $5. And I'm like, at Duncan, I was like, what happened there? And he's like, they, because it used to be two-something. He's like, nope, it went up. Everything's going up. So uh, I yeah. agree with you there. 
it is very sad and frustrating. I know a pound of chicken salad used to be like seven dollars. Now it's twenty in some places. <gasps> Are you kidding? No, I oh went yesterday. They, they, Chef Maria makes it special for me for whatever reason, and she made me two pounds. I only wanted one, and it was like twenty dollars. And I said, "This is too much money and too many pounds. I don't need twenty pounds, two pounds of chicken salad." Yeah, everything, yeah. everything is like forget it. So we've yeah, got the medic. It is. Yeah, I mean it's scary. We've got Carl and his role at medic on the dot list. I like this guy. Yeah. How did and yeah, how did you create him? He because Reese and Mason didn't want him to check him out, but they had no choice. So yeah, tell us about him. Yeah, yeah. and then you brought in Brooke. We'll we'll come we'll yeah. get to her after. So how did how did how did Carl convince them they didn't have a choice? You got to get checked out because this is this is dangerous. You you just had, you right. were in a crash. Right, right. So Carl felt and uh, Noah who. Reese and Mason's boss also felt that they yeah. needed to be checked out because they were just in a cra- crash and they needed, you know, sometimes you, mm. when you get done with something so strong, you have kind of that adrenaline rush. And when that starts to wear off, you can tell more where things are hurting or what's going on. Um, and so Carl is, um, he's a good guy. He, you know, is not the most, let's say you would say, oh, super friendly and personable, but he's good at what he does and he's uh, compassionate in when people have injuries, but he wants to make sure he does his job well. And so, you know, mm. he tells them he needs to have a look at him and it kind of goes from there. But um, Carl, in my mind, basically has worked in that kind of field for years and years. I think he started out uh, as a medic, um, in the military and then retired out, not retired out, but, you know, um, when his, uh, I'm trying to think of the word, when his enlistment was up, he, he uh, pulled out and, you know, went uh, to medical school uh, and then started working on oil rigs. He wanted to travel um, and knew that, you know, he could work on a set rig for a time and then, you know, maybe move to a different one in a different area of the world. Um, but he's been with the Dauntless um, since they started, um, mm-hmm. and he he's quite good at what he does. He's not, you know, top-notch, um, but he's good at what he does. Well, there are a lot of medical professionals lately that are not as good as they used to be and yeah. not as concerned as they used to be, yeah. Everything basically yeah. now is very few doctors see patients. Some of them do, and everything is basically telehealth. It is. It is absolutely. And, and I have some chronic health issues and so I I do have to say the majority of the doctors I work with are very very good, uh but it took me a while to find them. Um but yeah. even with, you know, chronic health stuff, for the majority of it they still are doing telehealth. So, um unless yeah. you need a test or something. Yeah. So, um, I think telehealth is fine if it's just a checkup, like, hey, how are you? I'm good, everything's feeling okay, yes. But if you've got something going on, you really want to be seen by the doctor, you know. It, they can't check your throat if it's sore or, you know, those type of things if you can't see them in person. Think, I know my ENT analogy doctor claims he could do that, but I don't think so. And um, 
Basically, which you see the the I I went for telehealth the other day for something, just a general question that I had. That telehealth mm-hmm. phone call is going to cost four hundred dollars to my insurance company. That's how no. much it costs. Oh yeah. Oh my. Oh yeah. Goodness. I don't. They don't wow. get that much, but yeah. Three, some of them are three hundred. Some of them are four hundred. They charge you like a regular visit. I am so good with this. You have no idea. It's scary. So yeah. We have, we have a love issue going here. Yes. Poor Caleb. He's got, he does not like <laughs> no. Mason. Not at no, we all. Do not. Why? No. Well, and he's kind of, him. he's no Poor guy. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, he's known Reese quite a while. And over the mm-hmm. last month or two before the story, um, he started to have feelings for beyond that a friendship mm-hmm. or co worker. Um, and Reese likes him very much as a friend, but does not feel the same way. Um, and she doesn't mm-hmm. really, I mean, do anything to to lead him on or make him think that. But when Mason comes in and he kind of sees that uh, attraction plus tension plus, you know, all this, these raw emotions between the two of them, he kind of knows from the start, like, this is not going to be a good thing. And his personality is very regimented, very by the books, very, you know, and Mason's very uh, good at what he does, but he tends to push things kind of to the edge, um, not endangering anybody else other than himself sometimes, but uh, Caleb feels like he's too reckless for Reese to be with. Well, we're going to have to get him a girlfriend if you bring him back somehow. We'll have to yeah. figure that one out. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So now there's two ships. There's the Dauntless, and we have to talk about the Freedom. What was the yeah. role of the crew of the Freedom? And I wasn't so sure about them. And tell us who yeah. Gwyneth Lansing is and how does she play a major role on the Freedom, which is the other ship, people, in case you don't know. Yes. Yes, that's true. Okay, so the other ship... Um, supposedly, the way it's set up is that they are a marine um, research, marine biology uh, research ship in one sense. So they have a lot of different scientists that are out there that are studying, um, you know, the sea life in the area, the effect of the oil rig being in the area, and they're also uh, pretty staunch in environmental, wanting to protect the environment for marine life. And Gwyneth Lansing is basically the head of that ship and of that particular program um, within the environmental group called the Freedom Group as, as well. Okay, where am I here? Now... We have, we enter the Dauntless and we meet Ed Scott. What is his role mm-hmm. and how does he defend himself? We can't forget about Ed. And wh- the interesting yeah. part yeah. is, why did you include the diary? That was interesting. Thanks. Um, okay, so Ed is basically the um, the guy in charge um, mm. of the Dauntless during his his crew's shift and he um, would kind of be basically like a uh, foreman or a um, 
like if they were a manufacturing plant, he'd be a plant manager. So he's basically the the head of the rig, um, and he answers. He's kind of the middle guy. He answers between corporate and his workers. So, for example, if there's a problem with one of the workers and, you know, corporate is not working well with them, he tries to kind of – Fill that middle ground, um, and the crew mm. safety really falls under him because it's really kind of his rig. Mm. Um, and so, uh, I I just pictured him there, kind of from the start. He kind of came to mind pretty quickly, and um, I don't know why, but I kind of pictured uh, a little bit younger Ed Harris in the role. So oh, that's cool. Kinda, what I had in mind, yeah, I, I'm pretty much a visual writer, so I, you know, always have to have kind of character images in my mind and, you know, mm-hmm. what they look like. And it'll change as I write the book. But, yeah, I kind of picture them kind of this, you know, uh, strong work ethic, you know, trying to keep peace between corporate and the rig and also trying to keep the rig safe as possible. So he takes the death. Um, very hard because he feels like something wasn't working right. Um, and until, you know, it's proven there was foul play involved, he, he feels like he let his, you know, team down. And uh, and then when they find out it was foul play, then, you know, things shift differently. Um, and the diary, yeah, I, I just decided mm. I thought it would be a neat way to show Reese's feelings and kind of who she was at that time mm-hmm. and bring it forward. Um, and I debated about doing it a little further in, in the novel, a little mm-hmm. bit more. Um, but I didn't want to overdo it and I didn't want to distract too much from kind of the other scenes going on. Yeah, I know, you know, people review books like me and they don't always appreciate the greatness of people that write. <laughs> so sometimes they say, well, you know, this is too old, but tell me about it. Um, the, you, you never know what someone's going to write. As a matter of fact, on my last tour with Partners in Crime, Silent Voices, one person at the end wrote the most nastiest possible review she could possibly find on my stories. It was so horrific that I just said, thank you very much for not understanding. But I wrote. Uh, I write from the point uh, of view of the dead body behind the gravestone. So the people I'm writing are about oh. are dead. So they're telling their stories. And one story Ooh. that she thought it was the one story she hated, I probably should have written it from the point of view of the student, because if I was a student, I was writing it from the point of view of my sixth grade teacher who was horrible. There was a true story. Everything mm-hmm. I wrote was true. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah, she's horrible. So she wrote the most nastiest possible thing. I said, obviously, you don't quite get what I wrote. And my sixth grade teacher, well, what can I say? So, yeah. Right. Now, what I found interesting is, yeah, uh, the next, my next, next next book is going to come out, I hope. Well, my next book came out already. It's called What If. What if you lived in a world that I created? Would you realize that you should wear a mask in the one that you're in? It's eight Ooh. Twilight Zone stories. I don't know why I wrote it. I just wrote it. So I'm going to write yeah. another one. It's going to be called What's Next? Faces Behind the Masks, Alive and Dead. Wow. Yeah, I don't Interesting. know Interesting. Yeah. yeah. So we well, that's good. I mean, if you're excited about writing it, that's what you should do. You know, if that's uh, eventually, what Eventually. Felt. First I have to, 
my shows and my, and my reviews come first. What can I say? So three <laughs> things. You must have done research for this, too. What are three things needed to igni- for guests to ignite and why? So people yeah. actually don't do this because you, know, you never know. I mean, there were fires the other day out of nowhere, everywhere. Yeah. You know, explosions, and then they had that explosion with um, toxic whatever in one of the – yeah. um, uh, that was scary. Out of nowhere, the whole thing blew yeah. up. So what do they need to, 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 for gas to ignite, and how do you prevent that? That's scary. Right. Yeah. So um, if, what I looked up was, um, and I asked my husband because he had uh, been in the military and he had been on subs, and so fire prevention on a sub is pretty important too. Mm-hmm. So um, he helped a little bit with this, but they kind of call it a triangle, and it, so it needs oxygen, mm-hmm. um, heat, like an, um, for example, like a lighter or a match or something that would produce kind of almost like an ignition for it, and then the uh, fuel. So whether it's gasoline or like gas vapors or um, anything like that. So if you have, you know, like your gas stove is leaking, and obviously oxygen's in the air. If somebody would light a cigarette in there, it could blow everything up um, because those are the three things you need to start a fire. So, I mean, the best thing to do is uh, if you know there, if you smell gas, if you are near some place with something flammable, if you're in an area that could go up very easily, like the mm. woods, um, you know, don't smoke or, you know, make sure that the, you know, butts are put in like a bucket of water or because it really, it, it's easy enough for that to catch fire and then it just, it spreads and then it's horrible trying to fight it. So luckily they uh, had, yeah. It's like these wildfires that, that they can't seem to contain. And there's another one this morning that's horrible. Ah, so I know, it's crazy. Yeah, is it? I didn't see this morning's jet. Is it out in California or? Yeah, California. Yeah, there was one in Australia recently, also. Oh that my like, goodness! Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. It's definitely, and I think a lot of times they find out they're not obviously, you know, natural by any means. They're, you know, a cigarette no, left by a camper. Yeah, it's just it's so sad. Um, and then that camper is risking the devastation of the force, but also all the lives of the firefighters who are working to put it out and to contain it. So, I know. It's scary. Well, this part of the book really scared me, the curse. How did oh. you create <laughs> the curse and the fear of the crew of the Dauntless? I go, this was so cool. They were really scared, oh. too, this curse. Thank you. Um, so... The, it's up more by the Outer Banks, but they have what's called the Graveyard of the Atlantic, and it's um, a bunch of sunken ships. You can actually go diving down there um, and mm. see all these ships because the, the, the tide would come in and it was too shallow for them. And um, I was like, you know, that would be really cool if, you know, I had a ship that sunk, and if the ship that sunk uh, – had a cur- I just honestly I don't know where the curse part came from but it did mm-hmm. um, and it kind of developed on its own and um, I just thought it was kind of a, a fun uh, 
almost fun bit of history. I mean, it didn't historically happen, but in my mind, you know, it, it was bringing something from the past into the future and showing kind of how sometimes when there's something like that, that the idea of it or the superstition about it can make things appear to be part of it. Um, you know, if they see something go wrong, instead of trying to figure out why it went wrong, and they can very easily say it was a curse. And, you know, a lot of um, sailors um, have very deep respect for the ocean, um, but they also, you know, will pay ear to, you know, some superstitions or some, you know, treasure type of thing. You know, they have all different kinds of stories. And so I kind of pulled from that and uh, thought that that would be a good way for the crew to um, be keeping their focus in, in that direction. Well, we have two other we have a lot of people in this book, people on both sides. So yeah. things get more complicated when Noah has to deal with cases about the Dauntless and, and Brooke. So how does she come into that? Right. So Brooke um, is a flight medic with the Coast Guard, mm-hmm. and she comes home and finds her house has been broken into. Um, she is yeah. very good friends with uh, Noah's sister. Her name's Gabby, and mm-hmm. uh, she automatically calls her friend, um, and Gabby's boyfriend, Finn, is the crime scene investigator on the team, and they come in and uh, Finn kind of works up the house to see if there's anything he can find. Brooke has uh, just gotten out of a bad relationship, and there's a restraining order in place. But, you know, Gabby's worried it is her ex, and, you know, how's she going to be? And they're going to be out of town. And so Gabby naturally calls her brother and asks him if he would keep an eye kind of on Brooke and follow the case, because if the case involves a Coast Guard um team member, then that falls under their jurisdiction. And so he comes out to uh, try to figure out, you know, who's causing this. Uh, Is she going to be safe in between, you know, until they figure out exactly who's doing it. And uh, so, yeah, Noah kind of takes a personal interest because his sister is such good friends with Brooke and he knows Brooke does such a good job. in the Coast Guard itself, he has a lot of respect for, for the job she does because it's not an easy one either. Now we have a character that I was very suspect of because that was mm. me trying not to trust this guy. That's Lucas and his relationship to Caleb. Why did he take yeah. the job on the Dwight list? We won't say why. The, uh, the, uh, the last word of my uh, question I, I left out. Why did he take the job on the Dwight list? I didn't like this guy. I know. I did not like this guy either. Um, Oh, good. So I'm not wrong. Okay, good. (laughs) No, no, I did not like him either. So, yeah, I don't want to give too much away about it, but it was not with the best of intentions that he joined the crew. um, And he kind of had ulterior motives for being on it. Um, Mm -hmm. And it's it's pretty much a uh, big uh, gap between who Caleb is as a person and who his nephew is as a person. And, you know, Caleb is a very honest, loyal, hardworking, all those things, focused. Yeah, I do too. And Lucas is like 
the complete opposite, you know. I mean, he mm-hmm. just kind of does what he wants to do. He lies like it's no big deal, you know, and he just, yeah, I, I just the way he has no respect, even with Reese uh, and Mason interviewing him, um, kind of expecting a favor to not have to be interviewed because he's Caleb's nephew. And, yeah, he he just is is not a good guy. No, he's not, and you expect everybody just to bow down to him. So, so sad. Yes. So exactly. This, this. Well, I had a feeling about this. I knew that the helicopter was meant to crash, and mm-hmm. that it might be linked to someone on the rig. So, mm-hmm. how did you create that? I knew. I mean, after being my own, whatever. I knew that it had to be something that somebody did something to it. So how did you create yeah. that? And, of course, that really sets the tone to everybody, don't go on a plane ever again or a helicopter. Right. <laughs> so the way to sabotage the helicopter, um, I again, I asked my husband. He just kind of has a vast array of knowledge um, and different things. And so how to sabotage it was his idea. And then if that had happened um, and that had taken off, uh it would take a while for it to um, malfunction. Um, so they would be mm-hmm. far enough out that it would crash. But, yeah, I, I kind of gave them the scenario. I was like, okay, I want them this far out. I want it at night. I want this. And and then he said, well, the easiest thing would probably be, you know, this rotary blade thing. And so he explained it and kind of what it would sound like when it first went wrong. So, um yeah, I my husband is actually a really big uh, source of research for me, and if he doesn't know, mm-hmm. he often has people he reaches out to who would know. So, um, like the the one of the uh, oil rig guys was a brother of one of my husband's coworkers, so he's kind of got connections with a bunch of people just because of his job, and a lot of them will be like, "Oh yeah, my uncle does this, or my aunt does that," or. Um, the only time I've actually had to, like, put out uh, emails to try to reach people for research or, you know, connect with them because um, mm. my husband didn't have any expertise in this area and I didn't either was uh, for an older book, I needed a forensic anthropologist. And I reached oh, out and there was a very kind one who teaches at Eastern Michigan University and she was a huge help. She literally like walked me through everything she would do if she came upon a scene the way I described it. And so, you know, having, I think, beyond the books or beyond online, if you can connect with an expert and at least even one in that particular area, it can just, you get to know some of the little things that you wouldn't know otherwise. That's lucky because it's very hard to find anybody. I mean, if I need something for computers, my husband is in computers, but basically I'm on my own. Really not. Yeah. Yeah. No, yeah. I mean, I thought no, of, I, I reached out you. one time to a funeral director, but I might do that for the next one because I really want to get things straight about it. They said, well, you can go online and find this out. I said, but then I can, you know, put you as my, you know, advisor or whatever. So it's so sad. Yeah. But, yes. Yeah, we yeah. have Austin yeah. Kelly, and why does she yeah. seem to annoy and irritate Caleb? And I don't blame Racy; she doesn't like her either. Neither did I. Right. Yeah. 
So Austin is a very driven young woman, and she is very focused on uh, Gwyneth Lansing and uh, a situation for a case where she's been hired by uh, a gentleman's family. Um, he was he was basically murdered or lost at sea and murdered. They found enough evidence of it, um, but. Uh, she was hired by this man's wife uh, to determine, well, and his brother, um, to determine uh, what happened to him. And so Austin comes in, and she's kind of like the um, person who would be like a really, really strong, like, DA or prosecutor, or, you know, if she'd gone that direction mm-hmm. in law. But she she likes to work her case, does not like interference, and uh, kind of feels like when she goes in that Caleb and her just for some reason just bump heads, that they don't go about things the same way. He doesn't like her infringing on their case. She ha- feels she has every right to, be given the circumstances. And uh, so she's continuing to investigate this man who had started the Freedom Group death um and caleb just feels like it's muddying waters and getting in their way so before i forget i don't want to forget monday jeff bond Mm -hmm. returns with anarchy of mice and on the Mm -hmm. 26th i was totally shocked and honored new york times author ted bell has agreed to do an interview actually he asked for the interview for dragonfire and wow. that's great. Yeah, I that's was like, exciting. whoa. Yeah, I was like, oh, yeah. my God. And I that's wasn't awesome. sure. And on, and on September 3rd, uh, Deb Pines will be there with Crooked Paths, and she makes Jessica Fletcher, Mimi, Goldman look. This, is, this character is great. On the 14th, oh. and we can only pray that the book gets here, Dark Fear by Alan Jacobson, special time, 12 o'clock. Um, nine sixteen. My favorite character. I love Jonathan Stride. Brian Freeman, who d- took over the Robert Ludlum series. Uh, last week I interviewed oh. him for the uh, Born in Evolution. Yeah, uh, an exclusive oh. for uh, funeral for a friend. On the twenty second, wow. all that buried. And on the twenty fourth to end the month, none and only then Marilyn Levinson and checked out for murder. Her library mystery murder series. And that's just September. This show is booked until the middle of December. At which point, if no one has a book coming out or anything, I'm going to take the rest of the month off. But we'll see what happens. There you go. There you go. Wow, that is a great lineup. That is really a great lineup. Yes, and I was totally honored when I received an email from D.P. Lyle, who does Criminal Minds and Law and Order, who wrote for the two two interviews in November. It's like, what? Yes. (laughs) Oh, that's great. Yeah, he is. Yeah, I've been great. to uh, Raiders Police Academy, and yeah. he has. Yeah, and I've been to Thriller Fest, and he has been at both. Yeah, actually, I met him a few I times. Recall, I right? met him a few times, and yeah. I met him in person. And I'm so sorry that they didn't have Thriller Fest this year. And yeah, I was disappointed last year. My husband wasn't; he was ill, so we couldn't make it. But this year, I would have definitely gone because I just, I just wanted, you know to see DP and Nelson DeMille and actually it's fun because yep. they walk in and they actually know who they actually know who I am which is really scary. Oh, that's great though. Yeah, I was yeah, talking really, about Thriller Fest. 
It's great. Kim is great. So here's my next question. Yeah. Things start to connect with Emmy and Logan, uncover information about two people, and the possibility of greed, power, and control. How did you add that? And then why did you to have someone put arsenic in the food of the crew? See, I was afraid to eat on there. I knew that was going to happen. I had a funny feeling somebody's going to do something evil. Really? That was good. Yeah, I, I get You yeah. know what? I've read so many books, and yours is kind of different. And I said, okay, mm-hmm. wait a minute. I'm waiting for the, the shock. I'm waiting for the surprise. They're having dinner, and I could tell something. I just felt that I wasn't going to eat that stuff. So how did you create right. something that, that, that was arsenic for the crew? That was really good. Poor people. Thanks. Yeah, I just thought um, at that time the person that's involved um, wanted to continue to keep the focus on the curse and kind mm-hmm. of – they're looking at the curse. If the men are believing in the curse, if all this is going on, then they're not going to start looking at him. So um, I actually called my doctor and I said, uh, I've been with her 20 years, so she's also a good friend in, in the sense of being my medical doctor. But I emailed her and I said, hey, I need it. She reads my books and I need it poison people's lunch but it needs to hit this quick and then it needs to heal this quick and so she went and talked to several of her medical colleagues and came back and said arsenic was what they recommended so that's what I went with yeah well I needed something like that too but I was lucky that my pharmacist was still there so she helped me and he helped me oh that's great but yeah Walgreens Walgreens closed so now I have to bother the other pharmacists there and basically you know, I haven't bothered them to, to do anything for that, but I might for the next one. As a matter of fact, I was yeah. aggravated because MD is a character in the, in What If, and he's not going to get to read it because because Walgreens. I'm so aggravated. You have no idea because Walgreens really was the greatest, and the corporate office said that they didn't really care. That they they could they didn't want to pay the rent anymore. So oh, my we were left we were, we were left hanging, and thank God for Rite Aid. And my people mm-hmm. there, but it's 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 sad. So it is that. What happens? Yeah, Chase. What happens to Chase? And what would destroy the evidence? Because they didn't want anybody to really know what happened. What did they? They didn't really. Yes. No, they 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 want them to think the story they tell is what happened, and yeah. so Chase is killed, and um, he his. Basically, the evidence would be destroyed if the body was not kept at a cool enough temperature um, because evidence would begin Ooh. to fade. Uh, yeah, so they had to find a way to uh, get the freezer where his body was being kept, the auxiliary freezer, to not have any power, to kind of turn the lights off, to turn the power, just run the basics um, because they wanted to preserve they wanted to not preserve the body, um, even though Mason and Reese are trying to preserve the body, um, because they know that if uh, it is taken by the Emmy and it's been preserved, that it could, if the right amount of uh, autopsy is done, it could prove that it was not an, an accident. Yeah, that would not be good. So no. the ending... The ending will make you shiver and scared. Promise you that. <laughs> the ending is shocking, and the reasons 
for each murder is different. How did you create different motives for each murder? Because most people create like one, maybe yeah. two. There's a whole bunch right. of motives. How did you create each one of them? And they're all believable, by the way. It's not like, oh, my God. Thank you. It's not like the book I read. I, I read one last week, and I won't tell you. I It takes me a book of like four or 500 pages could take me two hours to read it if it's good. Oh, wow. The book That's that amazing. I just finished, I won't, say, I won't say what it is. It took me four weeks because I stared at it for a while. I finished it yesterday. I was like, you actually finished it. But some of the events were so over the top that could not have happened. No way. Oh, oh, so, that's how a shame. did you create? It was so many motives that yeah, and they're believable. Yeah. How did you do that? That's amazing. Oh, thank you. Um, I yeah, it's I'm really I'm not really sure how to how I pick a motive in the beginning. Um, I don't do as of yet. I don't do a lot of plotting. Um, I will kind of brainstorm some ideas, and I just sit down and write the first draft. So a lot of times I things will just kind of um, come up as I'm writing it, and then sometimes I'll have to stop and think, ooh, well, if that person actually did this, why would mm. they be doing it? Um, at, but a lot of it just kind of comes as I'm writing the book, um, the first draft. And then when mm. I go to do the second draft, that's where I try to really hone in and go, okay, does this make sense? Would somebody really do this? And is this the right timing? Mm. And um, so, yeah, we kind of joke around our house. My kids are grown now, but um, we kind of joke that uh, FBI is going to show up one day because I'm, like, researching all this funky stuff on the computer. And, you know, we'll have a thing mm-hmm. and I'll ask my husband something, like, you know, about a fire or about, you know, if you were in this cage or, you know, all this stuff. And my younger daughter um, is finishing up her last mm-hmm. year of college, and she's at home doing it virtual. And she'll be like, yeah, the talks we have in our house are not like other people's houses. And I said, well, (laughs) when you weren't little kids. So, yeah, you know, my mind just seems to kind of go that way sometimes. So um, it's good for books. It's probably not the best thing to be talking about, depending on the company. But, um, you know, even my dad has a lot of uh, background information. information and just really is really helpful with research in certain areas. And I had met him for a cup of coffee and we were sitting there and we were talking through how something like this from a different book would happen. And we got up to leave and the guy at the table behind us looked horrified. Like he was like, I said, no, 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 it's for a book. And he was like, "Uh, okay. So, (laughs) um, yeah, I, it's just for me, like kind of just, when I get to a certain point in a book, like talking about it and like starting to visualize it and all of that is, is really an exciting part for me. I, I, I love coming up with um, ideas as I'm writing that first draft. That, that is great. I, the only thing, my niece just became an RN. So if I need medical okay. advice, I just say nurse. <gasps> I, I, I helped, I helped, and I helped her through it. I'm not a medical person. I'm an educator. And I worked in the school okay. for all those years, so... But she went to nursing oh. school, and her aunt went with her for four years. I read the book, did the articles, helped her with her case study. I learned a lot. And then I had wow. a, um, and a few other few of my uh, nurse practitioners or whatever that would help me, and I'd call them and go, like, it's me again. This is what I need. Are you busy? And they would help me. So I, went, yeah, I learned a lot. So if I need to know something, I just ask Danny. Her name is Danny, D-A-N-I. Uh, she's oh, my, really? She's my, my oh, med- 
yeah, yeah, Danny Nick. She's a riot, and she's so cute. But so where do you where do you see Reese and Miss uh, Mason next in the series, and who else is coming back? And of course, you got to bring Kayla back to create more problems for them too, because that makes me yes. so much better. Yes. So the whole team will be back. Um, who the primary characters are. And the secondary characters, definitely not going to mention mm-hmm. who the secondary characters are because I want it to be mm-hmm. a surprise. But the main uh, romantic characters are going to be Noah and Brooke. Um, Ooh, so nice. there's going to be a, yeah, there's going to be a lot of kind of unraveling of like their past or why they struggle or, you know, why. Oh, nice. uh, yeah. So um, I'm working on that now and um i'm excited about the story i I think it'll come together hopefully well and be a good end of the series are you going to do another tour with cheryl and partners in crime i promised her i would ask she had to take care of something this morning otherwise she'd be listening uh, she'll be listening later because she critiques all my shows she tells me i'm wonderful no really, she, she, they listen to everything she's so sweet yeah, no, They're I'm the absolutely going to go with them again. They literally, like, she, I, she, I have to, she emailed me, and I said, okay, I, I'll read over this and get back with the review tomorrow, but please know you did an amazing job. They, She was fabulous. Mm-hmm. Um, they're so organized. They're so fun yep. to work with. They do an amazing job. So, yes, I definitely plan to work with them again. Oh, that's why I'm doing mine um, October for What If. They are. Are you? And there's another... Yeah, I am. Yeah, they, I'm doing one with Great. them for what if, and I only have ten people so far, but it's better than none. Uh, most people yeah. won't understand what I wrote, whatever. And I also did one, and they're really inexpensive, but because I um, I don't review for them because they only have digital, but because I post mm-hmm. stuff for them, uh, RABT Rabbit Tours. It's just uh, mm-hmm. virtual tours, but they they set up something for me that I didn't even expect. Um, August 13th, they gave me a virtual blitz, and like 30 people um, posted stuff and spotlighted my book, which I thought that was great. I didn't even know about that one. And then wow. September 7th, I start the tour. I just hope I get more people on the tour yeah. to do it. But basically, because yeah. I review for them and I do stuff for them, they didn't charge me the whole price. They charged me something, but not a lot, which made me Wow, that's better. wonderful. That's wonderful. Yeah. So, they're a really great this team. Is, I think that um, people can learn a lot about fire prevention reading this book. So where can we learn more about you and your work? And I do hope when you write the next book that I get it because I need to know what Absolutely. happens next. Absolutely. Um, so I, um, my website is just my name, dannypetri.com, and it has information on all my books, um, and you can click on the book, and it'll go in deeper detail about that book, and it has some fun extras like character dossiers and, you know, some videos mm-hmm. of some stuff. And um, also I'm very active on my Facebook author account. Um, oh, good. I, I'm pretty much on there daily. Yep, and um, I'm also on Instagram. Um, so, but I'd say uh, primarily right now on Facebook, I do get on Instagram as well, but 
Um, I have such a really good community on Facebook that um, Mm -hmm. I I really enjoy it. So, um, and then I have a newsletter list where I talk about future books and I do recommended reads and um, just Mm -hmm. a wide variety of stuff in it. I I do, um, and there's a slot to sign up for that on my website. Well, your review is on Amazon with five stars. Oh, thank you. That's I wonderful. haven't been giving Thank five so stars. Much. I was like, I, was, I didn't even have to think about this one. I was like, oh, so I literally did not have to think about this one. It's on my Facebook wall. It's on LinkedIn because I'm very popular there. And on Twitter, uh-huh. it's everywhere. But it's on, I got the confirmation this morning. I put it on. It's amazing. So either Amazon takes five hours or it takes five days. And this one took three seconds. They just yes. approved it. So wow. it's there with five stars. It made me feel so much better because I was getting worried that they didn't love me anymore, but they do, I guess. Okay. And, um, <laughs> I guess you never know. You just, oh, it's right here. Yes, it is. It's right there. I got it. And, you know, they send you either a confirmation or they come up with some whatever story. I don't even listen to them anymore. But I want to thank you so much. It's not very nice outside here today. It's 70 degrees yep. and it's raining. But you do yep, put some stuff here. And that, this, this, is, this has been great. Thank you so oh, much. Do you do you. panel shows, by the way? I do panel Yes, absolutely. Okay, yep. I'm doing, well, actually, I'm doing one that's really weird. I'm doing two on timelines and using ancestors from the past with a person that's similar to the one in the present. But I oh, want to wow. do maybe one more. I have to get your email from Cheryl. I yep. want to do maybe one more. Um, in um, in in December, right after the eighth, and then I'm going to take the month off. I keep saying that, but they're not going to let me do it. But we'll see what happens. <laughs> but thank you so much, Danny. Absolutely. I appreciate it. Everybody have a great day, and bye. Bye. Don't you love an extra hundred dollars in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. If you only have a 401k, you're not getting the most for retirement. Wait, what? Add a Robinhood IRA on top, then they'll boost it by 3%. You can do that? And if you transfer in any retirement account, you get 3% on top of that. Is there a limit to the match? No limit. Robinhood Gold gets you the biggest contribution match of any IRA on the market. Sign up for Robinhood Gold at Robinhood.com boost by April 30th. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Match on transfers subject to additional terms and conditions. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC.